0: Well, it's the Christmas season. And for many people at this time of year, their hearts and their minds turn towards family. Tonight, we're gonna turn our focus to one family in particular. That's the Spradley family. And we're gonna find out about their music and their ministry. Inspire Tees Company
1: is a Christian-owned business that sells inspirational and Christian-themed T-shirts. Available in many sizes and colors, our tees are for men and women and many are unisex in selection. Inspire Tees is a woman-owned and operated business as well. And Inspire Tees supports veterans, military personnel, and police. When you purchase a tee from Veterans, Military, and America category, 10% 10% of those profits go to the Wounded Warrior Project. For more information, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspire Tease Co.
0: Yeah, we're, we're a little intense over here. Uh, Jason and Kayla, welcome to the hey. live hey. stream. Hey, great to be here. Hey, hey, and we've got Tiffany McGinnis Shelton tuned in already. and She says, hey, Glenn, hello to Spradley too. Howdy, howdy. Hey, she is with a band out of North Carolina known as The Last Trumpet, and they are awesome. And Tiffany, you want to talk about uh, a lady that is in tune with the spirit and her husband as well. They are just awesome people to work with. So, man, I am so excited about having you on tonight.
2: We're excited excited to to
0: be here seriously thank you for the invitation for having us absolutely absolutely as we were talking about before the beginning of this edition the music that you create that god uses you to create everybody needs to be listening to it and we're going to be able to share some of that music later this evening as we uh roll through this edition but jason one of the things that is really interesting about you is what you're doing is not just music. You're actually, believe it or not, more people need to do this. You're leading your family to help them find their full calling in Jesus. Yeah. That is just absolutely amazing. So you're not just out there to, to make a name for yourself. You're not just out there to make money. You've got your whole family involved in this project. So since this is a family endeavor, can you share with us the role that each person in your family plays both on stage and off stage?
3: Absolutely. Um, thank you. Um this is my wife Kayla. Hi. And she's beautiful. She plays the role of wife, mother, and uh vocalist in the group. Um she homeschools. Um And she's beautiful. I already said that. The kids, we have two, Beige and Avia. Beige is 13. Avia is 10. Beige plays piano or keys. And then Avia, our daughter, plays violin. So both of them are incredible. Off stage, um, they are involved in different activities kind of things. Uh, But like I said, we do homeschool. And we try to spend as much time as we can engaged in the work of the kingdom as a family and independently. So that's sort of
0: the short version. It looks like you do a lot of reading over there too with all those books that are, that are behind you. <laughs> Lots of homeschooling I going on. <laughs> I try to. I try not to get lost in it. That's uh, something
3: <laughs> that I can definitely do. <laughs> me, put me alone somewhere with a book and
0: golden. Do any of those books inspire the music that you write?
3: Oh, yes, absolutely. A lot of them um, have, I would say, been with me through the journey of just, I don't want to say self-discovery as much as I want to say soul discovery and soul keeping. Um, A lot of books about theology, a lot of books about um, uh, understanding and interpreting psychological wounds and dealing with heart issues. So, uh, yeah, they've definitely shaped and influenced um, not only how I write, but the things that I do write about. So, Yeah.
0: Well, Tiffany says she was a homeschooler too, and she loved doing it. So this is, this is really neat. There is really a benefit to homeschooling. There, there, there really, really is. is. Yep.
3: There is a, if I may interject, there is an author. And if you haven't discovered him, look into him for a little bit. Uh, his name's Bodie Bachum. And uh, he's a Texas native, but he's currently over in Africa. They've homeschooled. Um, but he makes this comment in regards to public school and homeschool. He's like, why is it that we continue to be surprised when we keep shipping our kids off, you know, to Rome and they return as Romans? You, mm-hmm. know? And, you know, we have a responsibility in the way of discipleship and training up our kids in the way that they should go And yeah, I think that extends into uh, education as well as apprenticeship and the things that we do, teaching them a trade and helping them to understand sort of life and existence uh, according to God's design. So,
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I've discovered is that public schooling tells you what to think. For sure. And Kayla, you can agree or disagree with this, but homeschooling teaches you how to think. Would you agree with that, Kayla?
2: Definitely. Yes. I do. <laughs> I
0: oh, don't I do. Have a lot of words. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So, Kayla, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on a spot here for a minute, uh, and okay. I have to ask you this question: When was it that you got involved in music? Was it before or after you met Jason?
2: Um, before. So, my dad was a worship pastor um, most of my childhood. And so, and my grandparents, his parents were pastors. And so I would say I started singing on the stage when I was probably six or seven singing, he's got the whole world in his hands. Um, So I was just always really comfortable with singing um, on a mic on the stage. And, um, and then I just kind of taught myself, I never was interested in like being in a choir um, or anything like that. Um, So I remember when Jason and I even were starting to date, I was t- trying to teach myself how to harmonize. So no one ever actually taught me that. And so he would laugh at me when I would get it wrong. And I'm like, don't laugh at me. I'm learning. <laughs> so it's just been a journey. But, um, but definitely, that's always been something I've loved to do.
0: And Jason, how about you? When was it that you got involved in music and how did you, how did you get involved in music?
3: Let's see. Um, Music was always a part of growing up. My mom was a a classically trained pianist. My dad played guitar and other things. So music was always something that we were doing. We were always singing around the piano um, from an early age uh, involved at church. And then it kind of grew naturally. I was in band with school and then I picked up guitar and drums and started learning these things. And of course, that developed into a a love of music. writing and getting involved in worship and simply the the excitement and the experience of making melody and seeing how that connects. So that was the beginning that was sort of the, the, the passion for music. Um, and then out of high school, got uh, associated or connected with some guys, we formed a band started doing worship, started writing and then started touring. And it's kind of been sort of the mo ever since. <laughs>
0: So now we have to get into the true Hollywood story. I know. Yes. (laughs) I know this is what everybody is wondering. I'm wondering this. And my Boston Terrier, Mac, um, (laughs) the the, the Mac Christmas mug for our Christmas edition here tonight. He's downstairs sleeping in my gym bag. Um, Here's the question. How did you guys meet? And was it love at first sight? Wow. Who wants to talk? That's all you.
2: Ooh. <laughs> um, good, because my version's nicer. <laughs> 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 um, so I was friends with the lead singer in Jason's band. I'll try to figure out how to make this short. And um he over time, like I, I met Jason through knowing him. And then um later found out that my best friend um in high school waited tables with him at Red Lobster. So I met him that way. Um, but no, it was not love at first sight. Um, I that's a whole nother story, but God protected me from really falling for anyone until it was his time for me to like um have a husband. And so um it was not until God's timing that you know, that, that all came together, but we were friends for probably almost three years before we actually started dating. And actually a year before we started dating, um, I asked him to my prom with me. Yeah. But it was nothing. Uh. Yeah. He just went with me. Um, because I was so detached from high school at that point that, you know, I was just not interested in like hanging out with anyone in my school. So it's kind of funny.
0: So then, it was the basket of cheddar biscuits that won you over. Wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely,
2: Absolutely.
3: I you another round, <laughs> Jason. I used how about to go
2: to all their shows? You know, <laughs> okay, where like we were dating, I was all at all their shows. I was always at their house parties, um, which were clean. Um, it was a Christian band, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I was always around. We were always around each other. Um, okay. just was the right
3: time. We were associational friends. Okay. It was never okay. a one-on-one. We never hung out together. Um, and again, the, the kind version is no, it wasn't love at first sight. In, in fact, um, we both had developing to do maturing and growing and, in um, just understanding what it is to appreciate, see, and love another person, but, um,
2: yeah it's it's a really cool story. I just try don't want it to be long, but
3: oh, we uh, want to hear. I was very much annoyed with Kayla, okay that she, was
2: not part of my story <laughs>
3: she she was a friend by association, but never did I see her as someone that I was gonna love. She I was, was
2: too happy. She, for she was him. giddy.
3: She was like, ah. But um, he was such
2: an emo artist, you know so
3: melancholy. <laughs> so <laughs> melancholy. <laughs> but but yeah, she spent some time in uh Bible college while we were doing the band thing and I was maturing, growing through some broken relationships and Somehow, in a time away, God brought us back together with a new perspective and a new understanding of okay. um, what it means to truly be in relationship. And at that point, everything changed. And I saw her differently. She saw me differently. And that
2: well, was the beginning. What I was going to say, the cool part was um, God totally led us to a point of surrendering that desire completely to Him. And this was separately, but he was working on us, um, in the same way. And, um, so even though I hadn't had a boyfriend before, um, I still, my eyes were always open, you know, like, Oh, is that the guy for me? Is that the, you know, it's like, you're always thinking about it. And so he led me to a place of just surrendering, like, just trust me with that. Can you trust me with that too? You know? And so, um, so I did, I gave it over to him and I was just writing letters to like whoever my future husband was. And, um, and, and then Jason at the same time he surrendered that he, you know, had a girlfriend broke up, whatever. And he wasn't focused on that anymore. And so I believe like God was, um, waiting for us to give that to him. You know what I mean? Before he like, he's like, okay, now here you go. Now that I'm your number one, I'll give you each other. And that's how our um, relationship started with God being number one.
0: And 17 years later, Congratulations. Congratulations. You know, that testimony is so important for people to hear, especially younger people, because they get so... I think it's just the course of the world, the way that it pushes you. Oh, you've got to do this. You've got to have a boyfriend. You've got to have a girlfriend. And there's such a a need for that acceptance and that approval and that affection. And people jump into it way too quickly. And it leaves room for the enemy to come in and I believe that's probably one of the reasons why we have such a high divorce rate and so many marital problems is it's not given over to God to just let him work his way and he was working behind the scenes on both of you and you didn't even know it until the time was right which is which is so awesome Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah that's
3: exactly right
0: you also both have spiritual gifts besides musicianship that complement each other. What are these spiritual gifts and how do they complement each other the the gifts besides music. Okay. Go.
2: Ahead. Um I the for, the main one that comes to mind I would say is um like Jason's pastoral leadership gifting um and my um gifting and hospitality has come together beautifully over the mm-hmm. years um because I mean, you can imagine like how that works in tandem um, because we have people over, you know, and we practice that part of being the church, you know, breaking bread together and fellowship. Um, and then, you know, where Jason's strengths would be leading people in the apostles, teaching um, prayer, worship, and all of that. So that's been, that. that's probably the main thing that comes to mind. That's been a blessing to us and others.
3: That's one. Yeah, definitely. That's probably a, a great summary of sort of like the, the primary. And then in addition to that um, I, I think we have the the capability of walking in many different gifts according mm-hmm. to the context or the moment as the Holy okay. Spirit mm-hmm. Um So it's, I think it's much less like I have the gift of apostleship and you have the gift of discernment, but it's more of I am receptive and positioned to be moved by the Holy Spirit in whatever way he uh, feels it necessary in this moment to glorify the Father in heaven. so um, I would say right now we are walking in in this dynamic as we are engaging missionally. Uh, mm-hmm where this gift of apostleship is is truly manifesting itself in that words of knowledge and wisdom are able to be shared as we go and as we teach as we edify and encourage and then as we are going one of kayla's strengths which is phenomenal is that of discernment the gift of discernment and seeing that exercise as we're in different uh, communities and with different people and different circumstances, the way she's able to like speak into something mm-hmm. is just is fantastic. So I do think so much of the spiritual giftedness that's available to us comes with our willingness to be simply used. Like who is available? Who will go? And who will humble themselves and just crucify themselves all the more so that the Holy Spirit can indwell within us and then move us according to his desire. So, um, yeah, pastoral shepherding and then apostleship where prophecy and words of knowledge and discernment. And then there's the other things just in the way of administration and, um, celibacy, just kidding.
0: (laughs) we yeah. used to do that when I was in college uh, to joke around with our buddies is pray the gift of celibacy over them and they wow, would freak so out when we- <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like okay, okay yeah. your will or God's
0: will <laughs> <laughs> no but um you know i'm getting fed just by listening to that because there's such a misunderstanding of the spiritual gifts a lot of people are like well this is the gift i have and then they get wrapped up in the identity of that gift and a lot of times you find yourself flowing in and out of different gifts there there's many gifts and uh paul even said for us to desire different gifts. And it's so neat how God paired you together. And those giftings, they just perfectly complement each other in in what you do. Now, here's the $64,000 question. I'd say a million dollars, but none of us have a million dollars, $64,000, a little bit more reasonable. How do these other giftings, such as apostleship and pastoring and hospitality and discernment, how does that tie into being musicians and doing what you do musically
3: okay uh personally i'll say it like this like we were talking about the books and talking about the love of gaining knowledge and um i think it's beautiful how i have such a passion and a desire to communicate things in ways that people perhaps didn't necessarily communicate them so that's the creative or the artist in me wants to you know present a horse of a different color you know and so as we walk humbly before the Lord and he 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 moves in us and, like I said, gives words of knowledge or we have the opportunity to walk in that um, gift of wisdom in a situation, uh, it's interesting how it also translates into the creative writing aspect. So there is something perhaps that I've come to understand and I'm able to present it in word form or lyric form so okay. that musically it translates and people are able to see things from a new perspective. So watching that. So as we go in, in, in this sort of dynamic with um, well, let me just say it like this. So a lot of what we're doing in the way of music right now is missional. We're going into places. We're speaking with people. We're trying to be more missionally minded, even in the approach with music. So music is a vehicle or an Avenue that gets us into a place. And then once we're there, it's about, communicating the love of the father. It's about bringing his kingdom into a situation. And so that's where the gifts of the Holy spirit really begin to manifest. It's like music God is here. And even there's, there's history that, that brought about the music and in, in the, the crafting of it, but it's really in the moment in that setting is where we are available by the Holy spirit to walk in that. And so as we go, that apostleship begins to 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 rise up and we are able to uh, point people into a new way of what does it mean to be the church to lead people or assimilate people with a body so that they can grow and be fed and then again, words of knowledge, and then there's hospitality, there's love, there's compassion. Like I don't want to limit. I think the Bible is clear on gifts and then not clear on gifts. I think there's, there's an extensive um, unlisted set of gifts that we can walk into. It's about just simply becoming more like Christ, and he moves in us through the power of the Holy Spirit
0: for his glory. So did that answer your question? It did. And I have to say that this edition with what you're saying is worth (laughs) $64,000. I mean, the pearls of wisdom that you're putting out there, because there's so much that is just so misunderstood Mm. about the giftings, about how all of this works. And you're speaking some things that I am taking in for myself that I am going to share with some of the musicians that I work with who have been hammering and hammering and hammering away. Mm. And it's like, well, it's the music, it's the music, and it's the music. And just before you said it, it it just resonated to me that the music is the vehicle that's what gets you into the place it's the other things that god it just it's that icebreaker. it's what brings you into that situation absolutely people
2: can relate to music but we want to get past just relating to them you know we want we want to be able to talk to them and hear hear them you know what i mean um
3: it's amazing It's amazing how desperate the world is sort of in the general global sense, how desperate they are for being seen. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the author, uh, John Eldridge, but in his book, Wild at Heart, he says, men are trying to, they spend their lives trying to answer two questions. Am I loved? And do I belong? And I would say that most of humanity is trying to ask and answer those same questions. And so music definitely gets us in there. It opens up a door. And then once that, that relationship is established, that's the opportunity to see people. That's the opportunity to speak love and life and hope into their life. And, of course, we do that through music as well. But right. it's more in a, in a poetic or artistic form that would potentially just provoke thought or incite question. And then there's opportunity for explanation. So.
0: That is beautiful that is that is priceless and i really thank you for just sharing that with us tonight this evening and uh i'm going to share what you said and share that with some of the people that i work with um over here on this end and again it's the same th- it's the same thing for me with this you know we do the podcast we do the live stream we we do the rock fest um mm-hmm. in charleston in may and those are all just vehicles the the real purpose is the gospel and getting the love of the father so that people's souls are snatched out of hell. I mean, that's really what it just all boils down to. And that's what it's amazing how many different giftings are necessary to do that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. If you think about it. Yeah.
0: You know, you'd think it's just evangelism, you know, which is the core one for that is sharing the gospel, but it takes all this other, all this other spiritual infrastructure, if you will, to get the, get the job done. You know, it's just amazing to think about. Uh, How did you come to realize that with what you were doing musically, Jason, that all of your family members could and should be involved with it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, By God's grace. (laughs) Okay. So that's the
3: first. I I would say I fought with it for a long time. Um, Like I said, growing up in a musical sort of family, there was expectations from Grandparents and parents. I have three brothers and there was always this, you brothers need to form a band. And there was so much disappointment when that wasn't our trajectory or, or the vision for us as well. Um, so to be honest, like this idea of family band, I was I was keeping at a distance. Um, just i I did not like the idea of it i didn't like the complexity of it and what would be associated with it so it really took a move of god to work in my heart and expose some things that i was holding on to so that we could be at this place to be honest i mean the kids are incredible uh they have been i mean i've recognized their giftedness and their potential from day one like the way they've just blossomed into accomplished musicians is phenomenal. Like they've, they've surpassed my potential years ago, but so recognizing their potential, I mean, day one, but bringing it into this collective, that took some doing by God. Um, Can I tell
2: on you a little bit? Maybe. So in March, we went to a, um, a workshop. Um, to get familiar with the nonprofit that we work through any, anyways, um, this lady that doesn't even know our kids or their abilities prophesied over us. And it was amazing. And I wish I had recorded it. But one Mm -hmm. thing that stood out to me that day was that she, um, prophesied that, um, the kids would be a part of the band, like what we're doing musically. And, um, which God has been telling me for a long time, but you know, the Holy spirit has to speak to Jason. Like the wife is not the Holy spirit. And so I kept waiting for him to like, realize it. Anyway, this was in March and the lady said that, and Jason's like, that's not what she meant. And he was like, (laughs) He was totally resistant to it. And I was like, how can you hear it any other way? Um, and so within two months after that, like God, you know, made this major shift in his heart where it became a reality. But I just was, I thought that was so funny. Um, so it happened pretty, it, it's happened over a very long period of time, but some of the fine details happened in a very short time.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is, that is just, amazing again what you're saying tonight every family needs to listen to this that's pursuing Mm -hmm. the lord every every father every mother every family it's really interesting that you say this because when i got into this doing this live stream and doing this podcast the bands that we started interviewing one after another 90 percent of them were family units wow and most of them were on the heavier spectrum of Christian music, Christian metal, Christian rock. It was husbands mm-hmm. and wives. Right. And I've had sisters. I've had father and daughter. And it's like, here's here's another one. And it really attests to the fact that when you take a look at the way God set up the world, the way that he created it, is the family is that core unit of everything. And I really believe that's why Satan's tried to attack it so much. Yeah, absolutely. and. You know, it goes from family to community to nation. You know, that's, that's the way that it works. Um, how have you seen God bless you, Jason, since you made this change to recognize God's order and, you know, really show the world this is, this is how God set it up? <laughs>
3: well,
0: um,
3: It's like this, um, if I can say it. Uh, Sometimes you can't really recognize the things that you have because you're too focused on the things that you don't have. And um, that was me for a long time. Uh, I was focused on what could be and the things that I was aspiring to. Um, But once I got out of the way and once now this sort of dynamic or this expression has taken form, one of the things that has been um, just phenomenal to me has just simply been recognizing what God can do versus what I can do. You know, so I I couldn't sort of envision this. I couldn't see it. I I was stuck behind um, uh, preconceived ideas and perceptions about what I thought things either had to be or shouldn't be. And just that alone, now being in this sort of dynamic and now seeing what can become is phenomenal. Second to that, like we didn't begin this necessarily with this idea or intent for apprenticeship, but there is something of the nature of God about walking things out. Versus um, simply learning things, and I think oftentimes, even as it concerns discipleship and growing um, to be like Christ, we 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 approach it to intellectually and or academically. And um, Eugene Peterson had referenced once in a book that discipleship is less like the study of intellect and more like the apprenticeship of a craftsman. It's field training. It's the idea of we're not necessarily just growing in knowledge, but we're growing in faith. And that comes by walking things out. And so even in this sort of role, this family band dynamic, like they're walking into a form of apprenticeship. They're seeing us. They're seeing what it looks like to engage with the world around us. They're learning what it looks like to become performers and Um, developing their musicianship and their stage presence. They're learning how to connect with strangers or be in a different spot. So that second to just recognizing what God can do versus I can do has just blown my mind. It's awesome
0: that is that is really awesome and i want to kind of springboard a little bit more into okay. the family aspect especially the husband and wife aspect let's take the you remember the old nest tea plunge back in the 80s and the 90s on tv for the nest tea uh, tea commercials you know yeah. just dive right into the nest tea pool and uh oh yeah yeah i the, remember there yeah. was a diving board yeah the diving I mean, board you know, yeah. they dive in, yeah. take the nest tea plunge so we're going to take the proverbial nest tea plunge into okay. family here you know, you and Kayla, you share the same vision and that vision has been to be on the road. Mm-hmm. How did you guys come into agreement that that's what you were going to do? Because a lot of times there's friction in families and among partners over what the vision is. So how did you get to the point where it's like, yes, this, we are in agreement and this is what we are going to do?
3: Let me say it like this. Thankfully, Kayla talked about sort of the dynamic of our relationship and how it began. Um, I, I would say it like this. like what happened prior to us getting together was a commitment or a resolve independently for us to walk in obedience to god that 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 was the providence, the origin of things. And because of that, both of us were very much resolved in walking that out. So when we connected, I had already sort of walked into that dynamic. And so thankfully, as far as our relationship maritally, like it began with this idea of we are going to be going. We're going to be either on the road touring or we're just going to be a going sort of nomadic, adventurous couple. Um, When kids come along, that'll be a part of it. So thankfully, we've never had sort of that tension of, I want you to be on board and this is what I want to do. And you got to do it. I mean, it's taken on several different forms, but the idea of being on the road, like going, that's sort of been constant.
2: I would add, um, like Jason was very resolved in what God had told him to do. Um, from the time he was a teenager and I was very much God, what do you want me to do? Like I was very much surrendered um, fully to His will for my life. Um, And I didn't know what that was. And so um, He was still very much shaping me um, throughout those years. And that's one reason I was at Bible college was because I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in life. So I'll just go learn more about the Bible. (laughs) And so, um, which he, he did a lot of great work while I was there. Um, he still didn't, you know, show me like what I was supposed to do in life, but, um, all he wants from us is our hearts, you know, Mm. and, and he leads the way. So, um, so he just kept leading the way, you know, I didn't stay at Bible college after the first semester. That's when me and Jason got together and I never went back, but he did the work that he wanted to do on me in that time. And, um, and so as we were married, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is God's will, you know? And as we had kids, I'm like, this is God's will, you know? Um, and so it just, yeah, every step along the way. Um, I don't know. He's just, he's been the lamp, you know, on our path. Right. So, um, there was just never a question about it. And I got to go on the road with the band, um, a couple months after we were first married, um, we left in a van with five guys, me and five guys, because um, you had to be married to go. And um, they didn't like it very much, but <laughs> but I was like, "This is my wife, and she's going to be with me." Um, and so I got to experience that whole living on the road thing um, just for a few it's months, a like beginning. right after we got married. And um, and I just knew, like, wow, this is what what I was made for. So I don't know. We just never even questioned it. Like we've just been following him along the way.
0: It makes it easier when you surrender to him, mm-hmm. doesn't it? it truly does. Yeah. Don't it's, fight. It truly does. <laughs> yes. yeah. And this summer you were on the road with the extreme tour. How did that opportunity come about for you?
3: Uh, so Kayla mentioned we led a small group for a while, for about four years um, in our home. And one of the members of the small group happened to be the primary East Coast division leader for the extreme tour. And so we walked with him um, sort of diving into the extreme tour. And then because we knew him through invitation, we decided to experience it as well. So that was our introduction into the extreme tour. and. Um, Yeah, we'll see where things go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And as we all know that when you go on the road, especially when you're going out to purposely fulfill the Great Commission, not everything goes as planned. And there's often adversity uh, in your travels. What was something that you had to overcome during this tour that you weren't expecting and you saw God just move in that? Mm. Mm.
2: I would say all the different personalities for me. Um, That's my answer. But um, I'm pretty protective about our family time. Like um, we're with people a lot. And so on a regular basis. And so, you know, I always look at the calendar before I schedule something. And, and you know, if it feels like we're being stretched as a family or we're not going to have some downtime together, then um, we, I just try to work around that. And so when we knew we were going to be gone for a few months um, without any privacy, you know, not – where we didn't have that, that flexibility. I was pretty nervous in that way. Um, and so I saw God work through that because, you know, just a confirmation of like, this is right where you're supposed to be, because there were a lot of different personalities with us, um, that we had to navigate, you know, how to, um, yeah, just how to love each other. Everyone was just trying to figure out how to love someone that's not like them at all. And, um, and I never got tired of anybody. I never got, I never felt like our family time was being, um, ne- neglected. Um, like we were on mission as a family and that's what it felt like the whole time. And and then the people we were with became part of that family. Mm. Um, so we were just all together and that was God's faithfulness for sure. Because I didn't, I, I just thought it it would be harder than that. Yeah. So I don't know what your answer is, but that's mine.
3: Well, in um, (laughs) sort of conjunction with that, I think uh, there was a lot of opportunity to die to self. You know, it exposed pride and discomforts and exhaustion. And uh, I mean, there was a lot of that, you know, the the physical things. But um, man, we had some grueling moments. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but we were even in. we were in akron ohio and we had our van and trailer stolen so all of our gear with the extreme tour um the ride the van of the extreme tour which was carrying uh, some of the staff we woke up and it's gone so what an opportunity to allow god to do something not just in us but through us and i would say overcoming the defeat of that moment was a challenge in and of itself. But thankfully this is sort of one of my highlights is I was able, I think to, to share with the group collectively, there was a, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of grief. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of, uh, desire for justice and vengeance. And we, we want, we want things to be made right. Um, and in the middle of that, I suddenly realized, hmm, this is an opportunity to be Christ-like. It tr- it truly is, and it was. Wow. So we were able to communicate and have this conversation. Yeah. You know, we should bless those that persecute us. If someone takes from us, I mean, it takes our shirt off from our cloak, you know? So yeah. we were able in that moment, in the middle of sort of this this tense moment, to just, again, surrender, give it to the Lord and say, you know, bless them. Perhaps they were in a situation where they needed our stuff. And um, I, I can't say that everything has been made right. I mean, there was some serious loss. I mean, sorrow and pain and suffering, they have physical consequences in this life. But nevertheless, I think God did an incredible work, not just, um through the things and through the tour, but in each of us independently in our hearts, as we had to wrestle with those, those emotions and those psychological difficulties of this is not right. And so that was beautiful personally. That's
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. You say that because God allowed that to happen. Right. You know, it's not like Satan all all of a sudden just overpowered God and, you know, that, that didn't happen that way. And God allowed that to happen so that what He wanted to work in you, what you were just expressing, could happen inside of you
3: right right and it's amazing how much of that if if we sort of take that picture or that um, sort of uh dynamic and translate that into the day to day like it's it's so interesting how much we try to stay away or distance ourselves from. Uh, sorrow or suffering or pain or discomfort. And these are so often the, the, the ingredients that God uses to grow us, to mature us in our faith so that we become more like him. And so I think it would do us well instead of trying to simply eradicate these things from our life to simply stop and sit within them and say, okay, what is it father that you're doing in this? How is this your grace? What about this moment is beautiful, as it concerns your glory. So and
2: wow. he showed us a couple of days after it happened. Um, one thing that came out of it was a lady on her deathbed um, gave her life to Christ. It was, yeah. it was someone, who, it was a family member of one of the, the thieves, someone that was involved in the thief. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Thief. Anyways. Yeah. So that was really cool. And it's, we don't even know the full story wow. that came about, right. but, um, but a pastor did let us know that in pursuit of trying to find where the stuff was, um, he ended up at someone's house and there was an old lady like on her deathbed. Um, so anyway, it's just like, that would not have happened. That is stuff not been stolen.
0: So amazing. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, I know. It's amazing how God works. We can only, you know, I can only maybe do two things at once if I'm, if I'm doing good, you know, walking and chewing gum sometimes just does not work very well. (laughs) And then God is just multitasking like that throughout the entire world.
2: Right. right.
0: And we just have to stand in awe of that. That is so. Even a couple of
2: days before it happened, um, he had put on my heart to like, um, share. I was writing a, a, one of our update blogs and, um, it was about our treasures, not being in heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, not being on this earth, but being in heaven. And I was just like, what in the world? Like he was already prepping our minds, you know, yeah. with that yeah. reminder, um, before it happened. So he is, he's in every detail.
0: Oh, it's that cool. is so neat. I love testimonies like that. That right. And that really, if it was just for that one person, everything that you did that entire tour, was worth it right even through all the exhaustion yeah. so let's uh let's get to the music of spradley how would you describe your music mm.
3: i've kind of coined this phrase eerie folk rock
0: oh i like that Eerie. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Maybe that's why I like it. Cause I like eerie things. I, I like I'm a little eerie, bit right? more, I'm a little emo myself. So I totally. think that's why I'm kind of attached to what's going on here. A little emo, little goth totally myself. Totally. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's Americana, indie acoustic based material and uh, I love writing with melodies that have sort of a, a haunting feel, and I like to write provocative lyrics in that that challenge people. So, like, there's this there's this beautiful tension, and uh, yeah, eerie folk rock.
0: Let's talk about and listen to the first song that I'd like to spin. Unnoticed, what is that song about? Mm,
3: that song in poetic form. Um, highlights what i would say is my processing of a father wound okay call it abandonment or isolation or whatever you will it's simply the condition of a relationship that was interrupted and so i've had to wrestle through that and interpret that by god's grace and so that song sort of in poetic form is this um moving in and out of disillusionment and with this sort of last final statement within the chorus of, um, have you even noticed I was gone? So it's the constant tension of, do you see me? Am I, am I noticed? So unnoticed is the processing of that.
0: And this is unnoticed by Spradley. Are is haunting and mm. beautiful and now that you explained it i understand the is that your son at the piano yes in that video now i understand the imagery in the video that, not only is that song haunting and beautiful but i find it very refreshing i can just kind of hang mm. out in that song all day it's just it's just beautiful the way that it's put together another song that I'd like to talk about and I think it's very important for the time that we're living in right now it's the one that you have called here come the voices mm. okay. so and I'd like to expound upon this a little bit for our viewers and our listeners because I know a lot of people right now and I know of some people personally right now that are having voices spoken to them that are inspired not by God but from the pit and really trying to destroy their esteem, trying to destroy who they, um, who, what God's called them to be to kind of keep them under their thumb. Can you talk to us a little bit about these voices? How can we discern what is of God, what's not of God, what's of the kingdom of light, what's of the kingdom of darkness, and how should we deal with these voices?
3: Good question. Complicated question, but good question. Um, Yeah, naturally, the song is talking about these voices, the voices that I've had to wrestle with, of fear, doubt, insecurity, and all of that. Um, But when when it's talking about, when you're asking, recognizing the voices, uh, let's say, of the enemy versus the voice of truth, I would say, fundamentally, it begins with coming to the acknowledgement that there is an enemy. So Mm -hmm. we have to know truth in order to be able to recognize truth and not truth. So, the, the best sort of encouragement that I can give or prescription for overcoming the voices, I'll get back to the voices in a second, is first off getting the word abide in the word because apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We're not going to be able to overcome. We're not going to be able to recognize. We're not going to be able to extinguish these voices apart from him. You know, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against principalities and powers of darkness. So first off fundamentally is recognizing that there is a very real enemy. And so this song naturally is my wrestling with that. But one thing that I can say in the way of voices, you know, the, the enemy comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Okay. He is the father of lies, the great accuser. And so what he does is he speaks lies. Generally he speaks lies against the nature and the character of our creator. And then he comes with his lies and accusations against our own nature and character. And so the more that we are apart from truth, the more that we are not in the word, abiding in Christ, the more we are susceptible, the more we are not able to recognize and to distinguish whose these voices actually are. But he is constantly coming against us, telling us that we will never be loved. We will always be alone, like all of this. But I don't want to I don't want to deceive Listeners into thinking that these voices are only negative in nature because self Mm -hmm. self is just absolutely our our vice in today's modern age. So the voices that come even in the way of, oh, you deserve, you deserve better, or oh, you should take offense to that. Oh, like. That's not negative, but that is celebrating and esteeming self as supreme. So he's very, he's very tactful. I mean, he's been around for millennia and he is, mm-hmm. he is very much excelled in his tactics. So I would say apart from Christ, good luck. Good luck. Yeah. But get in the word, abide, remain, and you will begin because of the foundation of truth to recognize and to extinguish the voices
0: and that's why it says in scripture that my sheep know my voice absolutely i see kayla agreeing a hundred percent with that yeah no i mean it's so true um my sheep know my voice and you're talking about that realization of the word and i just think of when peter realized or had the revelation that jesus was the christ Mm. You know, and the word right there. And it was at that point in time when Peter realized or it was revealed to him who he really was in Christ. Absolutely. He was not just a fisherman. Right. Yeah, he he's called to something greater. But then as you're talking about that pride always kept sneaking in there with Peter, <laughs> you know. Oh, oh yeah, let's go do this now. I'm ready to go. And um, right. no, I'll never deny you, Lord. And yeah, right. Lord, yeah. you're not gonna be crucified. Yeah. And that pride yeah, just rose up in there. Yeah. I, I right. think that's a perfect example. So this is Here Come the Voices, and this song is so appropriate yeah. for today, with all the voices that are out there. And the need to be in the Word.
1: I've been listening to the voices tell me no Where there lies This are to devour every home They've been hiding in the shadows of my soul Like a bitter thief they've come And wrecked the havoc in my home But all oh, those days are over now Ooh, I recognize the shouts Could I, should I? No, 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 no I got it in my mind to let them know Oh, they've had their fun, they've been outdone So back your things and go oh, oh, oh. Oh, Those days are over. No. About your future, there's a strong possibility you'll fall. What makes you think you can scout out?
0: To that are profound mm. and I think the eerie texture that you use lets that song just stick, and the music that you do stick in people 's heads mm. because it oh. just it just lingers, you know because last night I was preparing all the reels for this, and I had listened to that song a few times, and it just sticks in my head, and i 'm like, okay, the voices, the voices. This is a good voice, this is a bad voice. And and really that ambiance that you use, I think it just really sticks and God's using that. I like that. And you know, I I, I have to do this because um, this is just really good music. Mac the metal dog in our studio (laughs) totally approves of both of those songs. So you've got yes, everybody is fighting now for the Mac the metal dog seal of approval. So (laughs) you got it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we arrived. He he was in here with me last night while we were putting the reels together. So he hears he hears everything that we put on the live stream. Yes. (laughs) So before we close tonight, I would like to ask you a question. a little bit more about what we were talking about a few weeks ago about discipleship mm. what is discipleship and where are we missing the boat on discipleship today as a church
3: okay for the sake of brevity let me just say this discipleship is us well to be a disciple is to be a student right to be an apprentice to be an understudy mm-hmm. so to be a disciple of Christ means we are a student of Christ. We take on his manner. We take on his identity. We become like Christ. So discipleship is that progression of becoming like Christ. Christ. It's Christ likeness and not just in ethics or morality, but it's in wholeness. It's in all that we are. We are no longer ourselves, but it's Christ. I've died to self, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so discipleship is our constant movement to Christ likeness. That's the short answer of discipleship. Where are we missing the mark? Yeah. Mm. Well, let me say it like this. I believe we are missing the mark. Um, I'll unpack this a little bit, but Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book, The Cost of Discipleship. And so what I believe the mark that we've missed is actually the cost associated with discipleship. What we have done is we've reduced discipleship to a cheap grace. You know, it doesn't Uh, cost much. It's easy. You don't have to change anything of your life. Yeah, sure. His mercy and his love endures forever. And we've actually forgot the expectation and the quality of regeneration. You know, there's this uh like God's movement. His his movement is that of redeeming, which is regeneration. He's making Mm -hmm. what was old new. And so. To kind of bring it around into a, a, another way of interpreting, where are we missing the mark? We have depreciated our condition, and we've lost the essence of the work of repentance in so many ways, because mm-hmm. it takes revelation to recognize, you know, it's the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And so that fear of the Lord is simply our awareness of our condition, our depravity as humanity. Oh, woe of, is me of unclean lips. You yeah. get to that place of recognizing who God is and who we are. And as a result of that, we're moved to repentance, but that's a thing that we're actually not, teaching very much these days from within the church. It's just, it's, it's a little bit unpleasant. It's, it's uncomfortable. And like, what do you, what do you mean? Die to self? Like there is a cost, it's blood, it's death, it's all or nothing. And we've ridden the fence for a long time thinking that we can be in the world, but not of the world. And all the while, we've been seduced by the supremacy of self, by the enemy into celebrating self in so many ways that we have simply missed the cost of discipleship. It should cost us everything. It should cost all that we are. And there should be measurable differences in our lives as a result of it. Like we're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to pursue the things that the world pursues. Our lives, our heart, our manner, our attitude, our speech, our our resource, everything about us has to be moving into Christ likeness. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So that's where I think we're missing. We got to get back to the message where Jesus began repent for the kingdom of God is at hand
0: so would you say then uh, going back to that moving from that those measurable differences would you say that that's what paul was talking about when we as believers go from glory to glory to glory absolutely and i think what's what's really
3: difficult is um we're in a time where tolerance is simply the norm We're, we're expected to be tolerant offense is Absolutely um, unjustified. We we can lay no offense, but even in that, this idea of tolerance, the the implication is there is no accountability. You know, no one. How dare anyone speak into my life? How dare anyone challenge me? So, a lot of Paul's writing, even when you look at Timothy and he's talking about the qualifications of deacons and elders, those are measurable things that we are to look at and recognize the fruit of someone's life for the sake of discerning whether or not they can be a leader within the church. You know, if you don't have your household in order, wow, that's, that's something I can see. That's, that's a measurable detail in Christ likeness. And so Paul's full of these teachings and these principles that we have to be incorporating. He even tells Timothy, not, not to let anyone despise you because of your youth, but instead let your progress be evident Mm -hmm. to those. Like that's, Let them see, let them see and know that you are moving towards Christ's likeness. So there's evidence of our faith and uh, faith. And James talks about like faith without works is dead. Show me, show me like, where's the deeds? Where's the works? It comes as a result of our faith. And because of our faith, it moves us into action. So Christ's likeness has to embody. It has to be the essence of all that we are. Like, why are we in this condition? Because nobody's seeing Christ.
0: Yes. Yes, I have to agree with that. So I want to talk about two things off of that real quick before we close out tonight, because this is really important stuff that you're sharing here. So somebody, when they become a believer, when they look back 10 years from the time that they became a believer, they're going to realize hopefully that they've grown and they'll look back and be like, oh boy, yeah, I kind of knew some things, uh, but I've changed even then. Would, sure. would you say that's the measurable difference as well? And here's another question, because you're talking about us as individuals having to repent. Have you noticed that there's kind of a deflection that goes on a lot of times where it's like, Oh, it's not me that needs to do the changing. I'm fine, but everybody else around me, they're the ones that need to repent. Would you say that's a a kind of a pandemic that's going on in the body of Christ where, oh, this message doesn't apply to me, but it applies to the person sitting next to me? Can you talk to us about that a little bit, if you want? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we have such a victim mentality in which everything is a result of everybody else. We're in the condition as a nation because of the ones that preceded us. Everything is everybody else's fault. And again, kind of back to accountability and simply understanding duty and responsibility like you highlighted before. Like we're in a very interesting time in which there is there's very little um, there's very little. How can I say it? Um, attitude of reverence, even in the way of honor and respect and consideration, you know, even some of the older philosophers, Aristotle and such, they said, you know, what what are the marks of a good citizen, but someone that doesn't seek his own, someone that seeks the common good. And even in that, we've lost that because we've become so self-oriented it's all like self-preservation we're thinking of me and myself alone how can i get what i need and how do how how does everyone treat me the way i believe i deserve and christians i think need to sincerely be on their guard even in the way of offense like i mentioned earlier for us to wear offense like that's that's not christ's light you know the teaching says that we are to be slow like not easily offended so because of that like offense simply exposes my My um, condition of self where I have esteemed self and I am not getting what I what I want. And James says, what causes quarrels and fights among you, but that you don't get the things that you want like self. And so this this cost of discipleship, this movement or journey of discipleship is this constant day in, day out crucifying self it's no longer I but again back to what are what are we teaching is discipleship what are we expecting of people that are suddenly proclaiming or, or professing the name of christ there should be a way in which you are like early disciples they were they were known of followers of the way Jesus, that i am the way the truth mm-hmm. of my life and so when we associate with him we now subscribe to a new way. It's not the way of the world. It's not the way that is dictated by status quo or those around us. It's, it's another way. And that other way exposes condition, which then we have only to take ownership of and responsibility instead of deflecting. Well, God, you put this on me. Uh, Hang on a second.
0: Yeah. I've made you aware.
3: So. Wow.
0: Again, that is priceless. And I really appreciate your insights. And uh, Kayla, what time is dinner being served tomorrow night? Because I might drive down and just (laughs) hang out with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Doors open. Absolutely. No, thank you so much. Um, Just a little bit of uh, housekeeping here for our viewers and our listeners. I have Kayla and Jason Spradley with us they are from Spradley. Where can people find your music and get it on their playlists? Well,
3: you can go to spradleymusic.com or you can go to spradleyjourney.com. And some of the material is on Spotify and all the other platforms, but we are um for the most part removed from social media, um, so we've still we still have our websites um and that's the place where we would like to direct people
0: essentially so the website again for everybody so that they if they missed it com. it's a really cool website too i've been spending quite a bit of time on there before we did this uh interview tonight guys just hang on with me for a moment i'll be right back to you i'm just going to close out for the evening and close out for the year 2021. Yes, this is our last edition live uh, for 2021. We will be back on January 13th of 2022 uh with some really cool interviews i cannot disclose at this time who they will be with but you will be blessed by them and if you're watching us on youtube go ahead and subscribe to us hit that little button at the bottom bottom subscribe to us on youtube and if you're following us and we're listening to us on facebook live right now go ahead and subscribe to lithos cry on facebook and also too i do have to share with you once again Tickets are on sale for Get Revelation Rock Fest 2022. That's going to be occurring on May 14th at the Hanhan Amphitheater in Charleston, South Carolina. Our good friends, Warriors of Light, are going to be uh, headlining that event. Tickets are on sale right now, and you can get those at LithosCry.com. That's L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y.com. There's a little link there that will take you to the Eventbrite page. And we've got some Christmas deals, so they make great stocking stuffers. Kayla... And Jason, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Our pleasure.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you. And I'd like to wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and to everybody that's been with us for the past three years of this journey that we've been doing this live stream and this podcast. Merry Christmas and we'll see you in the new year of 2022. Until then, peace out and rock on.
2: Lithoscry.com.